where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm James. And I'm John. Season 5 finale. I do add you. You've put in some very good flourishes in here. Finale. Finale. Add you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do adieu. We've been waiting kind of for a, a wedding. We've had many proposals. The I do hints that we might get that wedding after all. This episode aired on the 7th of May, 1987. Of course, directed by James Burroughs. But we see the return on Glenn and Les Charles as writers, which implies it's going to be quite a poignant and important episodes to Cheers story arc overall. Yeah, that's right. It's the end of season five and they've come back to finish finish the season off in style. It'll be interesting to see how after a, a season of other people writing, how they're going to finish the season and to keep it in line with sort of their original vision of the show, I guess. So, cold open, what is? <laughs> you started with all those flourishes of uh, finale and uh, do, and then you go, cold open, what is? <laughs> Oh, what happened? Carla tricks Sam into saying Diane makes him feel squishy because Carla does not like Diane. And, you know, we've alluded to in the past that she wanted to marry Sam. And I think part of her, perhaps when as a hang on from when they first met, I guess, because you know, of him being a Sox player. And when he first got the barn, she was working there. He still had that kind of celebrity aspect to mm-hmm. him. You know, this tall, handsome guy coming in who is a Red Sox player. Carla be swooning. <laughs> I think Carla tricks him a little bit. She sort of tries to open up this conversation about how, why she married Nick. And is she saying because he got her pregnant? And then she says that he made her feel swooshy. And then Sam says the same. And then she sort of laughs at him and runs out of the office and tells everyone. <laughs> Disgusting! <laughs> Probably one of the best parts about the, the cold open is uh, almost like a saloon door in a Western. The door like closes and then swings open back with Diane going, swooshy. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's just going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of like endearingly like, yeah, I, I thought that was quite funny. And that's a nice way to kick off the episode, I guess. I think it sets up the episode well, especially how we see both of these characters' attitudes, Carla and Diane's attitudes to the episode that unfolds. So yeah, definitely a good call open. As we enter into the main part of the episodes, we get the return of Sumner Sloan for the, I think, the third time. Yes, the second episode called, appropriately, Sumner's Return. <laughs> but what is quite nice about this is it kind of mirrors a little bit of his return the first time where he talks to Coach. Woody brings that same kind of confusion when Dr. Sumner Sloan introduces himself and that he's looking for Diane Chambers. And Woody replies, gee, I hope Diane's not sick. Now, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm in the literature department at Boston University where I occupy a chair. Huh. Hey, don't worry about it. That's all I did in school, too. <laughs> I think uh, what's quite nice about the return of Sumner Sloan is it it bookends the journey from season one to season five quite nicely. It does, yes. Kind of a polar opposite of their first season one. Yes, because in the first episode, he jilted Diane. Yeah, he left her there. Just abandoned her in a bar in Boston, like the good fiancé he is. (laughs) We joke, but he pretty much did. In this episode, he comes with an opportunity to take her away, which is that... 
he gave some of Diane's drafts, literary drafts of books to some publishers who saw a lot of merit in it. Should we play the quote? Because he has a kind of backhanded compliment for it. I was so impressed by one of your unfinished novels, I took the liberty of sending it to a friend who's an editor at Houghton Mifflin. You had no right to do that. While he concurs with me that it's rough, embryonic and immature, he loves it. I think that kind of talks a little bit about kind of the era maybe. Because I think there was definitely a movement of people wanting, not necessarily tortured artists, but more gritty and real. Yes. I know Stephen King was quite big in the 80s, but he kind of rose in fame and success throughout the 70s. Yeah, there's definitely a move towards more, I suppose, authentic authors rather than classic literature. And uh, this conversation that Sumner has with Diane is had in private. And Diane initially sort of says, no, I can't do that. I, I, I'm getting married. Which is quite a sort of change in Diane. She puts her marriage to Sam or her engagement to Sam before this opportunity. But what also kind of mirrors a previous episode, we find out that Sam is actually hiding under the pool table. I say hiding, he's fixing the pool table. Hiding makes it sound more suspicious, yeah. Well, the reason why I said that is because it reminded me a little bit of Diane hiding under his office desk. At the end of last season. With Aldridge, yeah. Remind me a little bit of that. But yeah, so Sam now knows that Diane's turned up this opportunity and that adds a bit of complex to it, I suppose. Yeah, because he knows the... Importance to her. Knows the importance. He knows the choice she's making. Mm. And I suppose he's seen her go through uh, five years of trying to find snippets of America. Yeah, five years of failure (laughs) is what she's been going through. You know, I think that that weighs on him a little bit. It's worth noting, of course, this follows the purchase of their house. Yeah. So there's a commitment already, a heavy commitment already sort of done in in the form of buying a house. And they've kind of laid out this life that they're going to have together. With this new opportunity given to Diane, Sam questions whether she'll be happy with their future together if she doesn't follow this opportunity. Yes, she at least downplays it with Sam, downplays the importance of the opportunity because she feels she's made her choice. She feels that she, she couldn't be a great American novel writer and also live a suburban life. We've said that it's not very 80s. In the last episode, we said how in a lot of ways it harks back to an older time, such as the 50s or 60s, because of the age of the characters. And in that regard, it's also assumed that if they were to get married, then Diane would become a housewife, is the assumption that Summoner's making, that Diane's making, that a lot of the characters are making, which, you know, is a sign of the time it was released. Yeah, it's an interesting one. There's there's a slight bit of symbolism, James, which is uh, when Sumner and Diane are in the pool room and he's offered this opportunity, Diane's sort of playing with the pool balls and he goes, oh, you're holding the eight ball. It's about making a decision. It's, yeah, and it's the final ball in the game. When that's yeah. part of game's over, yeah. So it's it's an interesting one. It sets up quite a conundrum for the episode. And Sam confronts Diane and says, oh, what, what did someone want to talk about? Kind of a double bluff, really, because he knew what he wanted to talk about. He was under the pool table, but he wanted to see if Diane would tell him. She did, but she downplayed it a little. Of course, Sam comes back. He, he's delayed. Diane's going, what's up, Sam? Why are you late back? He said he had to go to the dentist because he got something in his teeth. That, of course, being the eight ball, which he caught in his mouth as Diane potted it. And when she does say that Sumner gave the manuscript to uh, one of his publishing friends and they saw a lot of merit in it, Sam sort of bigs up, like, not bigs up, but he, he says, oh, that's great. That's wonderful. You've got to do this kind of thing. 
And she says that she kind of doesn't want to. She doesn't want to postpone the wedding and she doesn't want to set their life back any further for it. You know, I think it's definitely a, a back and forth kind of thing. And she, as a result of this, wants to bring the wedding forward. And Sam kind of calls her out on it and says, I, do you only want to bring it forward so that you don't change your mind? <sighs> He's an astute one. And I think at this point, Sam has a sort of vision of the future. Yes, which it's a bittersweet vision because we know it's fueled by Sam contemplating what would happen if Diane made the choice for the marriage, which Sam increasingly thinks is the wrong choice. I think is the best way to put it. That's what the visions are fueled by. And that's at least this immediate vision that he has when they first get home. Mm, and the, the, the vision sort of, that they're both aged up. Yeah, which is weird because they look older than they do now and they act a lot older <laughs> than they, they do now. And I don't know how old they're supposed to be, 80s? And they're in the, the actors are in their <laughs> 70s now. And Ted Danson's still can do like a little bit of tap dancing, you know, and nothing like this vision that he had in Choose, you know? I think people age older in, in those days. In the 80s, people aged <laughs> more. I think it's a really interesting scene that sort of plays out because, especially from Sam's perspective, because this is kind of an ideal for Sam. This is what he wants now, which is so far from five seasons ago. Yeah, it's a big shift for Sam. And it shows sort of a contentment in growing old and, and aging and, and having grandchildren, which they talk about sort of very normal conversation, really. Then Cliff drops by and they have this sort of, I don't know, there's a, a sense of real sort of contentment and happiness from Sam's perspective in this whole sort of imaginary scene. And Norm drops by as well to pick Cliff up and they go to Cheers, which owned by Woody and Woody's family. Yeah. They still have these sort of similar jokes, even though they're like a lot older. Um, Norm's saying that they have to take all their shoes and socks off to count up the bills. Vera's got the figure of a young woman. Norm's going, yeah, she's got it tattooed on her back. <laughs> and there's, there's sort of this nice, wholesome kind of view of the future. And I think at the end of this vision, Sam turns to Diane and kind of says, do you have any regrets, I think? And she says, no, of course I don't. And he tries to prompt her into doing this novel and she goes, in the vision of the future, Diane goes, no, I'm with you and that's all I could ever want, essentially. But as, as an old woman in this vision, she says, I wouldn't trade one minute of my life for you for a Nobel Prize in literature. It, it does paint this kind of like quite vivid picture of a potential future. And then Sam comes out of his daydream and sees this and they agree, he agrees to the marriage because he sees a, a future where there is no regret around the book. They agreed to push the marriage forward. And where are they going to have this wedding, James? Oh, cheers, probably. <laughs> Normally, I would criticise this idea that everything takes place in cheers. But because of the haste. Because of the haste, but also because I think she, Diane sort of says, I can't think of anywhere better because that's where everything has happened for them. It's a romantic bar, as Coach would say. <laughs> I mean, I suppose even that, that the Coach's spirit's still in that bar and the, the characters themselves would probably want him to be a part of it in some way. But this is, uh, yeah, I forgive them for having it in Chiss. And we see a scene in that plays out where we've got a, I was going to say a keeper of the peace, a justice of the peace. <laughs> Our typical uh, Cheers wedding. We've seen a few in there now. The bar's packed out full of lots of people. Most of them we've never seen before. <laughs> and I suppose, would this be a, a good point to talk about some of the faces that we see across the bar, Jim? It would be. This is Michael Maguire's last appearance as Sumner Sloan. Walter Addison as Justice of the Peace. He also appeared in MacGyver, Hunter, L.A. Law, Murphy Brown, Matlock, Wings, ER, Home Improvement, Jag, and Coach. 
and Seinfeld and Becker and Will and Grace and Sons of Anarchy and Watchmen, Scrubs, American Crime Story and many more. I keep Ooh. going. Uh, I, I tricked you there. Uh, Steve Ginelli is Steve and Phil Perlman is uncredited as Phil. And uh, the, the rest of those faces in the bar, also uncredited, but we don't know who they are. <laughs> and we get some, some bits of uh, advice from several people to Sam, Norm of which says, run Sammy run, I think. <laughs> which I'd, it couldn't be a, a callback to run for us run because I think that comes on after. Yeah. <laughs> Frasier also said, let's hope she sticks around for this one. <laughs> I think Frasier even reminds Diane, the lines are, I do. Yeah, so there's, there's a bit of salt flying around the room. <laughs> <laughs> Not only salt, there's also a lot of cash because people are placing a lot of bets on this. On how it would go. Yeah. And though that cash keeps going back and forth as this tumultuous uh, ceremony flicks one way or the other. The wedding march does begin, which I would have liked to have seen Woody on the piano for that. That would have been nice. <laughs> Doing Stars and Stripes initially, of course. He's at the phone or behind the bar next to the phone. And uh, in the middle of the ceremony, the phone goes and Woody picks it up and says, Diane, it's for you. And Diane goes, I'm a little busy, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And he takes a message. He takes the message really loudly, kind of goes, whoa, that's wonderful news. Amazing. Lacks subtlety, does Woody. <laughs> and this is where we find out that Diane has sort of, has been sort of fast-tracked kind of idea. She's been given an advance, a monetary advance, yeah. To, to write her novel, but needs to go away to finish it that night, essentially. Diane, after hearing Woody say, oh, that's excellent news, sort of says, well, what is it? And Diane still says, no, I want to get married kind of thing. And that's where the money makes its first exchange. And we see a little bit of Alexander Samilton. What's that mean? It means that Sam goes, don't throw away your shot. Oh, yeah. yeah. You had to, uh, yeah, it needed that context. But yeah, it, it does turn out that Sam is the one who has to kind of end the ceremony and says... I mean, I, I, I had my day in the sun. I, I may not have been the greatest relief pitcher in the world. Yeah, you were a Sammy. Thank you. The point is... <laughs> the point is... I took a shot. You gotta take your shot. And I think it's actually a really sort of poignant moment. We've said for a long time that Chiz is about legacy and making like making your legacy. And this is kind of built up to that moment where Sam's saying, No, you need to you need to do this. What choice are you gonna make, Diane? And all the people lean in with their wads of cash. <laughs> then it cuts to, I guess, an hour or two later. Yeah. They kind of say it's only gonna be six months. I'll see you in six months. And Sam goes, uh, you might not. She goes, what do you mean? And goes, well, one of us might die. Yeah, he, he says, have a nice life. And she says, why are you saying have a good life? That's the kind of thing you say when you're not going to see one again. He says, you never know one of us could die. He says, we could get bumped on the head and have amnesia. Or one of us might decide we want something else. And that's the yeah. part which hits. That's the part where you go, ooh. It's a moment, you know. Diane sort of says, that won't happen. None of that will happen, Sam. You shut your mouth. And then she goes up the stairs saying she'll return in six months. And then Sam quite sort of solemnly and, and quietly says, have a good life. And then we see another vision of them old where they're just dancing. Yeah. And again, and that's, it, I think that's Sam being wistful about what could have been in this circumstance. Yeah. I think one of the, the most interesting ways that this sort of saga of five seasons has played out is how Sam's changed. And I think what has 
been quite good. It's definitely been an evolution on both parts, but after these five seasons, Sam's evolution has sort of wavered, but I think he's come out of it more well-rounded than maybe Diane has, because she's left the bar to pursue something she came into the bar wanting, if that makes sense. Yeah, she's always felt kind of out of place in Cheers, and in a previous season, we talked about what her own personal penance was, Mm. whether that was being in Cheers or being in a convent. I think what Cheers does is that it kept her in the same state. It kept her in a state of inertia where she couldn't develop. Mm. And it was stifling personal and career growth for her. Yeah, it, it's been a sort of really interesting and long journey. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think this idea of Sam finding sort of a contentment and not wanting to live the lifestyle he lived all this time is quite interesting. I suppose it, it feels like a, a big development in his character. It'll be interesting to see what happens in six months and with the next season, because Sam definitely wanted that future, which I think these visions and sort of daydreams sort of showed us something that I suppose maybe was in doubt for quite a while. I think it's a big case of dramatic irony here, where the characters don't necessarily know what will happen in in six months. But I think it's heavily alluded to us as an audience that Diane won't be back in mm. in six months. If she does come back, it will be much longer. I think mm. that's what's alluded to. I, I suppose what, what I do really appreciate about this episode, especially with the ending, how they've allowed time for sort of sentiment. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, they sort of really, really left the audience to sort of dwell, especially with that, that dancing scene at the end where they're both elderly and it's sort of the daydream. And it just fades to black as, as they're dancing, yeah. Yeah, but when you also consider that this is the first time that the actual opening intro was shortened. Yeah. They, they cut the intro theme song to allow time for essentially like two minutes of silence at the end of the programme which shows how Glenn Les Charles came on to write this one and James Burroughs directing. Sort of original creators gave a lot of room to breathe at the end of it. Yeah. Get home a bit, yeah. Oh, look, it's the trivia bell. Hopefully brighten things up a bit. A sombre trivia bell, yeah. <laughs> it's Old Man Cliff. <laughs> it's Old Man Cliff who refuses to retire. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've also got some little known facts about what people think. And mm. Three endings were filmed for this episode, Sam and Diane become married, Diane accepted an offer to finish the novel, and the third ending was not revealed by the producers. I've got a theory about this, James. Yeah? I think we've seen the third ending that they never revealed. Which is? Sam walking on death row. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be. That would be quite the ending. <laughs> <laughs> it scored a 28.4 rating and a 45 share was watched by 24.8 million homes and ranked number one in Nielsen ratings. After the episode originally aired, Kathy Carlyle of the LA Times called this episode hilarious but somewhat contrived and very disappointing and felt that Sam and Diane should have been married at the end. Uh, I'll tell you what, Kathy has opinions. <laughs> A big one I've found is Gillian Flynn. Do you know of Gillian Flynn? I do not know Gillian Flynn. Ah, she was a TV critic for Entertainment Weekly in 2006. In that time, she thought that the Sam and Diane breakup in this episode was one of the all-time best breakup scenes in history. Do you want to know what Gillian Flynn does now, or has done in recently? Good. Tell me, James. She was the author of Sharp Objects and Gone Girl, 
Oh, okay. Yeah. That's quite interesting with, with Gongol. We've always said that Glenn and Les Charles always said that Sam and I are, n- are not a role model. They're not an aspirational couple. No. Now that's a that's a really interesting uh, sort of view to see that she cites this as one of the best sort of breakups in TV history. Yeah. Take that, uh, friends. <laughs> I saw him say that, James. The police are out there now. <laughs> So it's, a, it's a sitcom Friends Police. Sitcom Police. They <laughs> badmouth friends on a podcast. Get him. In 2010, Jane Borsov from Huffington Post and Amy K. Bidemeyer from the Talking Box blog called The Wedding of Sam and Diane one of their favorite weddings that did not happen. The following year, UGO.com called Sam and Diane's breakup from this episode one of the most horrible television breakups. They also have strong opinions. In 2014, IGN placed it as number one of the top 10 Cheers episodes. And in 2019, Joseph J. and Kate Dorowski in their book Cheers, A Cultural History rated the episode all four stars. High praise. So there you go. That's what some people thought of the episode. How would you rate this episode, James? I'd give it a high 7 out of 10. So 7.8, 7.9 out of 10 is what I say. I think I would agree. I think it's, uh, I wouldn't say it's my favourite episodes, but then depends what context you're looking at, I guess. We we know that I like the sort of slightly more slapstick comical ones, but I think it was uh, definitely an earned finale. And I think it paid off a lot of, lot of things that have been building throughout the season. It'll be interesting to see where they go next. So something's going down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to see where it goes. And I'm excited to see what happens. And I think Diane's character's always been sort of very traditional in a lot of ways. Yes. She she's an, she was an academic, isn't she? Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting to see what, what comes next. And if, if Diane comes back, especially bringing a, a book with her. Mm. We had a trivia. Well, we haven't done any trivia, James. <laughs> Sorry, Cliff. He's, he's waiting here just grumpily. <laughs> I tell you what, James, you talked about waiting. How many days... Had it been since episode one, season one, how many days have people been waiting for this? Will they, won't they? Uh, I'll have to do some maths. I'll do it on pen and paper. Were there any leap years? <laughs> <laughs> Can I have a month each side if I get it within 30 each way? Is yeah, that okay. fair enough? That's yeah. Fair enough. Okay. I'm going to say it's approximately... 1,975 days? 1,690. The first episode came out on the the 30th of September, 1982. And this episode came out on the 17th of May, 1987. Four years, seven months, and 17 days. Long wait here. Have a good life. Where does Sumner's editor friend work? In, uh, I don't know, James. Penguin. (laughs) Penguin. I love your penguins. Uh, no, this is Houghton Mifflin. What is the name of Diane's book? I don't know that either. It's Yacaster's Conundrum. Well, that's the last call at the bar, James. The police are still out there for me. I think there's a high-speed chase going on. This is an eventful uh, finale. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's all kicking off. I don't know why. I, I, I want to feel a whiskey because I feel a whiskey you have on quite sombre. Somber occasions, don't you? I tell you what, James, can we go for two drinks? And I want to I say why. Hear me out. In, in the sort of wedding setting, well, everyone was there. Their announcement that they were going to postpone the wedding for six months. That was quite a cheery thing. Everyone sort of still celebrated, you know, because I think they all understood that 
Diane's got, you know, she's got to go off and do this. And they sort of postponed it. Actually, Carla was overjoyed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was crying tears of happiness. So I think we need a, a happy drink for that. And then we need a, maybe the whiskey for the scene that followed, which was the more sort of somber. So I think we'll, we'll pop open a bottle of champagne for the celebrations. And then later in the night, when Sam and Diane are sort of parting, that's when we have our whiskeys, I think. Yes, I think so. But one thing that you audience at home can do, have a look over on our Patreon, where we'll be publishing another bonus episode very soon. Yeah, so look out for that. And it's a much happier bonus episode, I'll tell you that. I think it's fitting that we raise our whiskeys. I think there's only one thing we can say, James. Have a good life. (laughs) 